You're now tuned in to 3 Plus 1, the podcast. is a multi-generational podcast that crosses lines with zennial and millennial voices. Political issues, social matters, and popular culture are explored weekly in a segmented format that engages, informs, and sometimes uplifts. Hello and welcome to the 3 Plus 1 podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another great episode where today in our third seat, we are joined by the one and the only Rochelle Rose Gold Gatsby, artist, brand alchemist, and creative catalyst. Rose, welcome to 3 Plus 1 podcast. Thank you. Before we start, (laughs) (laughs) y'all, I have to say... Her nails are absolutely beautiful. We will be taking a picture of them and putting them on our Instagram account because they are so freaking fine. Oh, my god! Yes, the left hand is Secret Garden and the right hand is Sunday Hat. They are so pretty. Yeah, y'all will see these on the Instagram account. They will be going up. So, Rose, where who did these nails? Let's go ahead and shout out. Okay, first of all, she's black. Okay, yes, understand that. Yes, understand that. So I will give you guys her information because I am actually representing her brand on social media. Oh, wow. She up until now has not had any representation. So because she's so good, she needs to blow up. And I was like, well, let me handle your branding for you. And she resisted for three years. So now she just let me in to be able to handle her brand identity and oh her social God, media presence. they're beautiful. So thank you so much. But I do sketch these out and design them ahead of time. But okay. she does have the skill. I mean, you know, she can do this freestyle as well. But. Wow! So are those nails a lot of maintenance and work to maintain? Like where you're not gonna, you're are you ever afraid like you're gonna damage it, break it? You're an active cyclist. You work yes. out real hard. I, you know, I never worry about it because that's the whole thing about having somebody that's good at it. You want somebody that's going to be able to adhere all of the little jewels and baubles. Mm-hmm. So I never worry about it. And even when I wash dishes, I don't put on gloves. Wow. When I'm scrubbing the toilet, when I'm changing the litter box, when I'm washing the dogs. I mean, and they they held up. I get them done once a month. Once a month. That's wow. it. That's it. We are excited. We're definitely gonna post the information <laughs> on our three like, plus one Instagram page. Rose, you are a self-described brand alchemist. Mm-hmm. Please tell our listeners um, how you work magic with their brands. So, what I try to do when it comes to branding is help people understand that branding is not a logo type. You know, everybody's like, oh, I got to get my brand done. I need a logo. I need a color palette. Branding is the feeling that you want your target audience to to experience as a result of working with your business. Mm -hmm. So think about Target. We all look at Target like they're modern. They have the fashion-forward apparel. They have great home goods. When we look at Walmart, we think about value, Mm -hmm. right? So then you need to start thinking about, okay, what do I want my audience to feel about me and my products and services? You know, if you're somebody that's a dog groomer, you want to be reliable. Mm -hmm. You want to be clean. You want to be trustworthy. You want to have a kind and gentle spirit with animals. So when I talk about being the brand alchemist, I'm talking about taking your brand in its current state, using my know-how and my skill set, and helping you transform your brand and understand how to communicate that to your particular audience. Wow. Wow. That is like really deep, right? (laughs) So it indicates, it really shows us how you have thought this through and how you really give that value to your clients to help them understand a bigger vision Mm -hmm. for where they're going and what 
they're doing. When you look at all the clients that you represent, all this great work that you've done, is there a project that stands out to you as one that really like shines? Like this is a project Ooh. that you're super proud you're trying of. To, you're trying to get you hemmed up. Because you know, <laughs> if you say one person's name, they're like, well, like, you don't feel the same it, way about it. Exactly. Me. But I will say, I really love working with Arsha Jones of Teasing the Trap and Mambo Sauce. Um, she has a brand called Teasing and Trap. Lovey Ajay has used her. Um, she has so many capsule t-shirt collections. Yeah, she's been on all uh, insecure. Like people have worn her shirts all over. Um, I did a patch for her that's that's lips that says I said what I said. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also did okay. Uh (laughs) Um, and I also did a shirt that says Sucker Free, and it had like an illustration. And I really like that because when she comes to call, she wants me to do me. And that is something that you have to remember when you're hiring a freelancer, an artist, a designer. You have to give them mm. room to do what they do. You know, right. I think so many people think because they pay you that they should micromanage the project. And I was just talking to you about that. We no, just talked about this yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday but you, I worked. So everybody knows. I mean, well, not everybody, but most of you know I'm getting my MFA in film and television. Whoop, whoop. And so, of course, I make like music videos, short films, all. Mm-hmm. Of that and I was just talking to Didi yesterday about how I worked on a music video for an artist and she would not allow me to input my creative direction like mm-hmm. she was like this is how I want it done and I want it done just like this and this is the storyline that I want it was boring and like uh, I won't, I've done multiple music videos so y'all won't know which video I'm talking about but it was just upsetting like she mm-hmm. felt like if I'm paying you to do this then you do it exactly how I want it to be done even though it could have been so much better if she allowed me to use my creativity yes. to take it to the next level but yeah that that's an issue when it, it comes to working with creatives you ask them to do a job you pay them for a job but then you limit their creativity exactly, exactly. the reason you came to me is because you know I can do this you know you like what you saw from me you like yes. my creativity but you can't come to me and say I'm paying you and now but I want to uh, you know, put a cap on it. This but also living. remember that they're coming to you because they have a deficiency in that area right. or they're ignorant mm-hmm. in that as it pertains to that particular content. Right. So if that's the case, why do you want to manage me as though you are proficient in what right. my particular craft is? Yes. I think that's a really important message for many people. We seek out experts for their expertise, but mm-hmm. then we try to impose on them our limited vision. Mm-hmm. Yes. Whereas if you let the creative truly create, they will take your vision to a place that you never thought yes. possible. Yeah. In yes. every sense of the word, when it comes to party planning, when it comes to weddings, and of course when it comes to videos, as well as brand design yes. and development. What interested this? What motivated your interest in choosing to do this? Where you are branding, PR, web design. How did how did that start for you? Well, um, I went to school for teaching. Uh, everybody, my whole life, said you're so great at communicating ideas. You're great at teaching people. You're wonderful with kids. You should be a teacher. You know, I took Myers Briggs. I took all these personality assessments. Teacher, teacher, teacher. Well, I went to school. I did my student teaching. And I was horrified because I realized, number one, these kids crazy, okay? Number two, (laughs) two, you know, I'm eccentric and I don't want to be bound. I was already in corporate America. I did not want to have to adhere to any particular standards and deal with their bureaucracy Mm -hmm. and the back and forth. And so I decided that I was going to let art, my passion, 
be the way I supported myself and my family. And so it was a slow process. I was big into the paper crafting world. My, my work has been published in some crafting magazines. So I would sell cards. And then eventually people started saying, well, can you design a logo for me? And I was like, I don't know how to do that. So I was using... Um, I was using a PowerPoint, you know, putting together <laughs> stuff. And then I said, okay, at, at the time I was in corporate. And so I used my continuing education classes mm-hmm. and we had a subscription to Linda for free at my job. Oh, yeah, the so I got up on Linda and learned Photoshop and InDesign and Illustrator and really taught mm-hmm. myself and honed my skills. And then even now, e- each month I go, I um, learn a new skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's how I was able to start my business. And I started following people who were doing things that, you know, at the level that I wanted to do it Mm -hmm. and started, you know, asking them for mentorship and tutelage. And eventually I started my own consultancy. And now, you know, I'm able to support myself full time with this business, but it definitely was a journey. Yes. I feel you. Everybody. Well, not everybody. I keep saying everybody knows, but most of y'all are my friends that listen to this. So y'all like, I quit my job in corporate America just to go back to school full time so that I could be about this. I, fully understand yes. like what you're talking about i just reached a point where i was like i'm young i don't have any major responsibilities like kids or a husband or anything crazy that i can't start over and mm-hmm. i was so i felt like i was so depressed and i was living this life that looked good to other people like yes. oh i'm working this nine to five i'm making good money i'm young blah 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 but i was miserable and i was like this is not my passion this is not where i am mm-hmm. i've always told people since i was a child i'm gonna be the next Oprah winfrey i'm gonna make this happen i'm gonna do this yes. and then i got stuck in this rut of being like okay but i need to pay my bills mm-hmm. and then i just reached point where I was like I gotta quit this fucking job because it's right. gonna kill me it's I'm gonna end up stuck cause. here for 30 years like the rest of these boring ass people I was working with and I'm just gonna turn around and be so upset so I quit went back to school that's where I'm at and the blow up is coming soon yes blow up yeah blow the up. blow up is right around the corner it's, it's right around the corner so give me one word for this question <laughs> what is your past done give me one word for this question what is your future Amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it, right? I agree. I agree. I agree. You are a uniquely gifted woman with a very unique story. In your most effective way, please share with our listeners the story of Rose Gold Gatsby. <laughs> well, Rose Gold Gatsby is actually one of my um one of my alter egos who has become a part of me. Uh Rose Gold Gatsby is the most free, the most uninhibited. Um, the most pure and emphatic part of myself. Because I think when you go to school and you go to corporate, you know, along those meandering paths that we all traverse, you know, you shed pieces of yourself because you're trying to fit this mold. And Rose Gold Gatsby is the embodiment of freedom. She's the antithesis of being in a box. And so I kind of assumed this personality when I didn't have the wherewithal to do it on my own. So I had to assume this identity in a sense in order to really find myself. And Rose Gold Gatsby is Rochelle. You know, Rose Gold Gatsby is Rose Red. But Rose Gold is golden. She's shining. She's thriving in the midst of everything. Mm. Period. Wow. That's a, right. So I know that a book is coming. Yes, Gwas. I speak over. You have a lot to share and a lot of great lessons for any listener out there, male or female, but especially for our black women. I think that your story is absolutely going to be one of empowerment and motivation. It's something that we need to see more of. Uh, when I think about great books, 
books written by women that really give insight into their modern to our modern times. The number I can't think of I can't think of any great titles that I've read recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of celebrities have stuff like Black Unicorn, Tiffany Haddish, mm-hmm. and I think that Taraji P Henson has a book and Jessica Lee Ramsey. Yeah, none of the I haven't read that one, mm-hmm. so maybe I need to check it out or go back and you know find it and maybe give it a chance. But I haven't read anything yet that really speaks to me. That gives this narrative and gives this story that's really going to be, this is the book I'm going to give to my sister and this is the book I'm going to give to my niece. You know, my niece is, I have a niece who I love dearly who's going to be a graduating senior in 2019. And when I think of books that I want her to read, that this is the book you have to read, mm-hmm. I'm not finding that book that's, that will empower her to be the black woman that she has to be for the years to come. Yeah. And I, I can't wait for you to write that book. Yeah, I want to talk about, I want to talk about my life. You know, I, and not to get deep, but I was... A bisexual woman in a heterosexual open marriage. I've had a mastectomy. I don't have ovaries. You know, um, it's it's unique because, you know, I remember growing up and my mom was like, we about to go to Eddie Long to talk about this lesbian shit. You know, like, you know so I would, I would have slumber parties and, and audience, I'm using air quotes. I would have slumber parties and the slumber parties were all, clearly I was trying to get with my, my homegirls, right? And so I would get, I would get caught. And then my mom would be like, I plead the blood of Jesus. We're going to see Eddie Long. So I, I spent quite a bit of time with Eddie Long, ironically. Um, that's mm. I was raised in Newburgh. Oh. Um, talking about sexuality, talking about what it meant to be a lady, talking about what it meant to embrace what God wanted for me. And, I, and so for a long time, up until recently, guys, I was an atheist because I was like, mm. I don't understand how God can make me attracted to men and women but then I'm going to be punished and I'm going to be damned for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think my story is not unique, but I think it's something that we need to share. I mean, Alice Walker was trying to share it with mm. the color purple. You know, if you think about she it. She shared it. She, she did. But she, she was broke trying down to, the, yeah. She broke down walls. But we treated it like it was fiction. When it was reality. When it was reality. Okay. So I want people to understand that we're not one or the other. We're so many shades of gray. So if, if there's anything that I could share about my story that I want people to hold on to is just the fact that you're not static. Who among us is one thing? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what I want. And so I actually started to share last year. Uh, I was getting ready to release a book called I'm Dope as Fuck. So you can go to I'mDopeAsFuck.com and get on the um and get on the mailing list. But I stopped writing it because I'm going through yet another transition in my life and I want to include that. But but I'm dope as fuck is just all about you know, who who says that I'm dope as fuck? Who it's it's like, "Oh my god, she's feeling herself too much," you know. No, you're not feeling yourself too much. I'm dope as fuck. I've been through all these things. I'm I am all these things, and this is what I look like on the opposite side of that. So, I think that's amazing. Tazzy, what are you thinking over that? She loves oh, all of it. I am. I just eat it all up. I love it so much. I know that I'm eating it up and I know that our listeners are too. So you definitely have to they share your to social this. media handles yes. right now. We need to know how we can be stalking <laughs> your life. Because I'm over here like, I, you know, it's a like, great oh, life to follow. But she is not going to give you much on her social media. Right. But she needs to. But it's a curated public persona that uh, Rochelle displays what by design yes but it is a great life that we all need to be all up in but i am going to become more transparent and let that wall down somebody put my and i'm actually filming a short on saturday Uh um to kind of to kind of come bring some of those walls down 
So, um, because I recognize that I need to practice what I preach and I tell people, teach people to be transparent in order to sell. Mm-hmm. And I'm not transparent, really. I think I am, um, like you said, it's carefully curated. And so I want to kind of break that facade. Um, as long as it don't mess with my coins. That's real. Ha! Mm. That's real. Don't mess with my money. Okay. Or my man. Ah! <laughs> right, right. So what we... I mean, you really said a whole lot. And Sorry, so, guys. Like, that was no, a no, very no. powerful statement. But you even, you've actually even given us as to why you have to, why you feel the need to be carefully curated. Like, I can only imagine what it would be like to have to sit through anything through the new birth experience. Mm-hmm. Especially when we know how all that ended up. To be in any way criticized or critiqued about anything that you are or that you feel is a part of your personality or selfhood. In that environment, like I think that that's what what brought you back to wh- why are you no longer an atheist? Um, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I decided that I was not going to allow my life experiences to rob me of a connection that I felt. Mm. I don't know if it's God, if it's Allah, if it's Vishnu, if it's Siddhartha, if it's Buddha, but I know I'm connected to it. I know that there were times in my life where it's no way I could have gotten through what I got through without something holding me, Mm -hmm. keeping me. And my mom would always say, I'm standing in the gap for you. What she, the way I interpret standing in the gap Mm -hmm. means I'm holding the door open for you for when you decide that you're open to the universal energy that can guide you and keep you. And I wasn't open to it until recently because I recognized that hold on, this is not me. This is not me doing all of this. Mm -hmm. Something is holding me. Something is putting me in a space where I can function every day. Because it's hard to stand in the mirror and look at yourself and not have all your original parts. You know, my mom and dad broke up when I was young. I hadn't talked to my dad since I was 10. I don't have a relationship with my stepfather and now my mother is dead. So that's very hard. You don't have any, I don't have any elders that I feel like are supporting me, but yet I'm getting by, but yet I'm moving forward. And don't get me wrong. I have a lovely mother-in-law and everything, but at the end of the day, something's carrying me and that's God or that's the universe, but whatever it is, I'm grateful that I came back to it right before 36. 36 is the golden number for me. Oh my goodness. Taz, is there a question before we transition? (laughs) You know, I'm I'm halfway in her face. I'm like, you know, fully engaged. I don't even have a question. I'm just like, keep talking. I love this. I love this story. Oh, my God. This is beautiful. Tazzy, as a young woman, what can you take from Rochelle's story to apply for you? Or what for you? What applies to you? I think um, her recognition of a higher power is very, you know, important. A lot of people, especially being young, you think, you know what, I'm popping as fuck. Like, I'm making all this happen on my mm-hmm. own. But you truly have to recognize that you are not doing this on your own. Mm-hmm. The universe is aligning in your favor. God or whoever you, um, you, your higher power is, is helping you throughout this process. And so you have to give thanks to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. Like, of course, in undergrad, like, I, I wasn't really going to church like I needed to. 
to be, I was partying, having fun, doing all of that. But I got back in line. Like, of course, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my mama. Um, and it was just like, I was kind of off track for a moment. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can relate to that where you're just like, I'm living life. I'm making this happen. I'm doing this on my own. But then God has to humble you mm-hmm. or whatever higher power you believe in humbles you at a moment in your life. And you're just like, you know what? I can't do shit without you. Yes. And I have to be thankful and grateful that you're in my life and that you are putting me on a path for success and allowing me to you know prosper and live and be healthy and grateful and i i fully relate to that like yes. I, I completely understand that like i feel like i'm about to go to church because it's like it's, a, it's you, powerful you, yeah it is you understand like that feeling inside you can feel that you know you aren't doing this shit on your yes. own you were cocky as fuck you thought oh i'm running life and i'm doing all of this and then you get humbled and you realize i can't do anything without yeah, this higher power I, I i can't function i won't be able to thrive i I need you in my life. I appreciate you. I am mm. thankful. Every and single all day. of the lessons are really leading to one place, right? Yes. And that is to God be the glory. Yes. And, and God d- lets you in youth lose that sense of it's me that does it. Mm-hmm. So you can realize that he's doing it mm-hmm. so that you will give him the glory for doing it to therefore share with others in the world yes. so that you know, people can realize and I, it. It's powerful because, again, in my childhood, a lot of people in my life who wanted to take away all the light that God invested in me mm-hmm. through bullying, through constant attacks of self. But I was not going to let anyone take God away from me, mm-hmm. period, or my light, period. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you said about the person that I am, it was in no way going to damage my sense of self. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where that came from, but I'm very thankful that it was there. And it has, of course maintained throughout and the this last life. thing i want to <laughs> say about god is is that you know i didn't you don't need a book or a, you know or intermediary you don't need you know and i just started talking i cursed mm. with god i'm like god this is some bullshit like what the fuck you know because i feel like you know me you know my intentions yeah I'm be yourself not, you have I'm to not, yeah because see sometimes the religion Makes you put on this persona. Makes you put on exactly. Mm-hmm. So now you can't speak freely. Mm-hmm. Now you can't get the real down deep connection that mm-hmm. you need. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to God like like I would talk to my man. You know when you laying on the pillow at night and you talking to him. Pillow talking. It's just you and him and y'all <laughs> just in the bed and you know you something may have popped off or not, but you just is that connection and intimate moment. That's how I try to interact with God. But that's how you, you have know? to be. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Yes. You know, my mother uh, went to Lutheran private school throughout her early education. And so because of that, she tr- deeply believes and has translated to me, and I have the same belief, that there is no religion. There is no man on the stage preaching at you, telling you what mm-hmm. God says. Everything that God needs to say to you he says to you. Yes. You pick up the Bible for God to guide you to the truth that you need to find at that moment in your life mm-hmm. in that Bible. And that's that's it. You may go to church for study. Mm-hmm. And you may go to church to have critical thought, conversation, and debate. Mm-hmm. But not to have someone tell you and put over your life their beliefs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and speaking of God, let's hope that God is going to look out for Roseanne. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, ABC cancels Roseanne last week after it started Roseanne Bar went on a racist Twitter rant. ABC announced Tuesday that it canceled Roseanne after the show star Roseanne Barr went on a true racist Twitter rant 
Barr appeared to take aim late Monday at Valerie Jarrett, a former advisor to President Barack Obama, in a tweet that identified the administration official by her initials. Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby equals VJ. Though she later claimed it was a joke, she issued a fuller apology Tuesday after more intense criticism was directed toward her in ABC. I apologize to Valerie Jarrett and to all Americans, she wrote. I am truly sorry for making a bad joke about her politics and her looks. I should have known better. Forgive me, my joke was in bad taste. This comes from the Washington Post. Ladies, what are your thoughts on Roseanne's uh, racist Twitter rant? You know, Roseanne, you're, you're younger. How old are you? 27. Okay, yeah, you're younger. So, <laughs> Roseanne has always been a hot mess. So I don't know, especially those of us that are older, I am not shocked that anything comes out of Roseanne's mouth. Roseanne is a little quirky. She's a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic. And um, Roseanne is a provocateur. That's her, that's her comedy. That's her comedy. She's a provocateur. So she's a Rush Limbaugh. She's a, uh, what's the shock jock? Howard Stern. That's, so I'm not shocked. She now, was a contemporary to Howard Stern when she was on the, the stand-up comedian. Yes, she was. So, and Carrot Top and Sandra Bernhardt. They were right, she was all in that. that all in that with with that particular group. So I'm not I'm not shocked. I think what's happening is we just have a very intolerant environment mm-hmm. based on a lot of the um, things that have happened in our you know in our society. So people ain't standing for that shit. But I'm gonna tell you, I I wasn't a fan of the second coming of Roseanne anyway. Um, but I feel like this is her comeuppance. I feel like this is her karma for all the fuck shit over the years. So emoji. Like I don't really have no opinion. It's racist, it's racist, it's racist. Once it's racist, take it off the fucking air and move on. And move on. I think you brought up some really great history for our millennial. The whole point is podcast yes. is it's a blend of two different voices mm-hmm. of two very opinionated people that got <laughs> brought together about eight, ten, almost ten years ago more next than year. ten, I mean clearly I've known you before I graduated well, so okay. more than ten years, eleven years ago our twelve in a- maybe so, like come on now, let's stop trying to act like he doesn't like dating himself as an old ass man <laughs> but he was my teacher for the you first time him. probably like twelve years ago the point is Tadzi <laughs> As life, so the point is that you know I'm giving you a millennial voice. She gives you a zennial voice, and no, it's really, wrong way. Switch it. I'm the millennial. Yeah, she's a millennial. Mm-hmm. The you brought some great history. I even forgot about Roseanne mm-hmm. was a shock jock, mm-hmm. very similar to what you have with Sarah. Is it Sarah Silverstein? Sarah yes. Silverman. Sarah Silverman. Silverman. Now is what Roseanne was in the '80s, mm-hmm. and when she got the, the show, it kind of toned her down because people didn't look as much into your past in the '80s as they do now. And so even now, I don't think that Jimmy Kimmel would be able to be a late night talk show host with the work that he did for Comedy Central The Man Show because it was too offensive and too objectifying to women. Mm -hmm. So Roseanne was that way. But I never experienced like try to defend her. Jimmy got on Twitter and defended her. Because let me say this. I think I do not think I've never experienced racism for Roseanne Mm -hmm. prior to this moment. I honestly still believe in my heart that Roseanne was trying to appeal to a fan base that she isn't really even a part of. I remember Roseanne being uh, one of the first people on television to showcase any type of sexuality or Mm -hmm. questions with sexuality or issues with sexuality. 
by giving Sandra Bernhardt a constant recurring role on the show as her yes. lesbian friend. I remember Roseanne stepping up and standing and really fighting hard for Hillary Clinton uh, for years. So I'm just, I was really shocked by this. I definitely agree with ABC. I'm proud that ABC dropped the axe on her immediately. It makes me believe in that network. But I'm still very confused by, Ray, by Roseanne's activities. Plus, we have the same birthday. So it's hard for me to down a fellow Scorpio. November mm. 3rd, shout it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, in this fallout, in this fallout, November 3rd, mark the day, National Diddy Day. So, go. in addition to Roseanne in this tweet, she is lashing out at her co-stars. And President Trump wonders why he hasn't gotten an apology from ABC, too. According to the Washington Post, Roseanne Barr's Twitter saga didn't end with the cancellation of her show last Tuesday. Early Wednesday morning, she was back at it, blaming Ambien and defensively comparing ABC's response to her racist and otherwise offensive tweet storm to those of other celebrities who've made controversial comments. And President Trump, who has personally congratulated Barr on the initial success of Roseanne, finally weighed in on the rapidly unfolding controversy last Wednesday. Trump questioned why the head of ABC's parent company, Disney, had called Valerie Jarrett the target of Barr's comment to apologize when he hadn't received similar treatment. Bob Iger of ABC, or Bob Iger of ABC, called Valerie Jarrett to let her know that ABC does not tolerate comments like those. Gee, he never called President Donald J. Trump to apologize for the horrible statements made and said about me on ABC. Maybe I just didn't get the call. Do you think that President Donald Trump is owed an apology by any network? I think he has tissue paper feelings. Okay, and he needs to have several seats. We have a wonderful Mercedes-Benz Stadium where he can come and have a seat in every seat. <laughs> you know, because... Don't come to Atlanta. We don't want you. But here, here's the thing. As a president, you are going to be burned in effigy. You are going to have countless numbers of jokes, of, of epitaphs, and everything else made about you. Stop being concerned with what's going on in popular culture and be concerned about the health, the wealth, and the well-being mm. of our... I mean, he's a reality TV star. He's yes. stuck in pop culture. Mm. But, you know, even before then, another provocateur. Mm. Donald Trump has always been a provocateur. Donald Trump has always been on the forefront of whatever was happening in popular culture ever since he came to, in, into being, into our consciousness. So if you look back at, if you go to microfiche, okay, those of you who are millennials, <laughs> I mean, I'm 1982, so I'm like, what? That's the first year of millennials, but I still use microfiche in the library. If you go back and look at those old articles, Donald Trump has always been a provocateur. He's always been a douche lord, a jerk face, whatever you want to <laughs> call it. He's always been that, but he has tissue paper feelings. He's a, he's a classic example of being able to dish it, but not being able to take it. Mm-mm. He can never take it. He can never take it. Do you feel that, you feel like, do you, I, I wonder, is Donald Trump's feelings really that thin or is it just all that? Like, surely by now he has a strong sense of like, I really don't care what anyone says. You would think so. I think it's real. You think it's real? Yeah. I think it's real. If you really truly don't give a damn, why are you still responding and acting like a little bitch on the So internet? let me, I will not say the B word. Okay. But what I will say is that it was so funny. This morning I'm riding to work. I'm listening to NPR and I have to find out who said it. It was a great commentator in NPR. And it was, this was like, it was, they completely, I think most people probably missed this whole statement, but the man said that Donald Trump is like a cocaine monkey. 
running <laughs> around the White House and everyone's trying to manage. Like, like he's an experiment uh, giving up monkey cocaine. Oh, my gosh. And I thought to myself, that's kind of what I envision when I see President Trump, like, running out of control. But yes. it was a shocking statement that completely, I think, got glossed over. But shout out to that NPR commentator. <laughs> Not so much a shout out to this uh, article from Time Magazine about three bodies found at home of Massachusetts man accused of kidnapping a woman and torturing her for a month. Investigators brought in ground-penetrating radar and shovels to search for evidence at a kidnapping suspect's home where three bodies had already been found. No additional human remains were discovered at the Springfield property on Friday, but the ongoing investigation could take days, if not longer, Hampton District Attorney Anthony Giuliani said. Everyone else who lived in the home where it is believed Stuart Weldon lives, including a child, is accounted for and safe. The State Department of Children and Family said it had taken emergency custody of a child in Weldon's home and was investigating in collaboration with law enforcement. Weldon, 40, and African-American, has lived in, in at the home, which is owned by his mother, for two years, public records show. Mm. So, ladies, what is a little bit different about this possible serial killer is that he looks just like us. Yeah, he's a Negro. He looks like you. <laughs> well, Tassie, what does that mean? He looks like me. Black women ain't doing this bullshit. That's a black. You said it's a man, right? This is an African American man. So, like I said, he looks like you because I have yet to hear about a black woman holding somebody hostage, doing all this crazy shit. Men are crazy. I stand by that. Child, I ain't gonna <laughs> Let me say this. We just haven't been caught then. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking the same thing, Rose, is that I think smart. there may be the out there days. some black women serial killers. I don't know. But we are so fucking smart. That, that we'll never catch it. And that's yeah. an interesting thing. Or is it that the whole serial killer mentality comes out of a male patriarchal brain? The whole concept that you can even do I, this. I disagree. I okay. disagree. I just think that we're we're more cunning. In general. In general. I do. I mean... You Give me an example, ladies. One thing, uh, the way a man would do it compares to the way a woman would do it. Like, the black man would do it this way, but the black woman's going to handle it this way. Now, see, you done did too much. Okay. Yeah, we can take a pause while we think it out. Okay, perfect example. When I was in corporate America, I was an office manager. Certain employees, African-American, okay, will come up to me and say, hey, I need you to send flowers to my gal, right? One of my gal. <laughs> well, sometimes these fools will get the addresses mixed up and I would send Julia Rebecca stuff and send Rebecca Julia stuff. Now, if I were to do that, first of all, I wouldn't be sending no flowers. Number one. Number two, it's gonna say, hey you. It's not gonna yeah, say, not you know, it's not gonna be specific names. I think that we are just more methodical and more strategic and more tactically advanced. Then in your thinking and how you yes because yes. if I was ever to cheat I'm not a cheater I probably would have a Google Plus number that my side booze we have access to yes. and my man would have my real number you know that type of stuff you know I wouldn't mix up my days of the week like a lot of men do you know what I'm saying when I know my booze going out of town for his job then we can you know meet up I'm not gonna use my name for hotel it's things. not gonna be a hotel it'll be an Airbnb that's what I'm saying you all these 
these things. Like, yes. Men don't think about those small details. Mm-hmm. So I'm black women out here winning. Women in general usually, if you're smart enough to be as smart as a black woman, can win when it comes to. We congratulate and shout you out, Queen. <laughs> Americans are split over the NFL's pro decision on the anthem protest that was made and announced last week. Americans are closely divided over the NFL's new policy that allows the league to find teams whose players sit or kneel during the playing of the national anthem. In a new Huffington Post YouGov survey, 41% of Americans say that teams should be fined if their players kneel in protest, while 44% say they should not. The rest aren't sure. Views are divided along racial lines. Half of white Americans, but just 30% of black Americans approve of the fines. But the divide along political lines is even more stark. With 81% of Donald Trump voters and just 12% of those who backed Hillary Clinton supporting fines levied against the team. Guys, what do you think of this recent survey and the NFL's recent action to find, to to levy a fine against teams that have players protest the national anthem? So, I am a huge football fan. Like, I love football. Everybody knows it. Roll Tide and Go Panthers. Like, that's my life. Like, I love that shit. But I am going to have to boycott the NFL this season. You didn't boycott it last season. I did partially. I start. I did it I know you would, you would be like, I'm going to come to record after the football game. Listen, I, you almost cussed at you. I almost cursed at you because we didn't start the podcast until January. But you started, you, started, you watched the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Yes, I watched the Super Bowl. Because I remember talking to you I you were at the, the bar enjoying a football Bowl. game with friends yes. while I was running. And I, listen. In the rah, middle of day on Sunday. Did he think he coming from my ass, but you're not. So, listen, like I fucking said, I'm boycotting <laughs> this season because I feel like it's just gone. It's, this is extreme. Like, you cannot charge people for protesting. Like, it's just too much. At this point, it's like, it's too blatantly racist that I can't even ignore it. I love football and I'm super upset, but I just, I can't support the NFL this season. This is disappointing. So, I have two thoughts. And it's going to be a little bit of devil's advocate ish right so on the one hand i'm like dude y'all made millions and millions of dollars bruh go ahead and catch that fine catch that fine because were it not for you there would be no nfl the people who are the most dynamic players are the ones that they're referencing mm-hmm. the, these are the people who they made this statute for right secondly okay i have three points second thing is If my right tackle, if my left tackle, if my defensive end kneels, then we all need to kneel because it's one band, one sound. Right. We're all a team. Right. So I do not like how teams are divided. Don't like it. If everybody's not going to make it on the field for the national anthem, then so be it. Right. But as a business owner, I'm concerned about my brand. If I tell you that I don't want you to say, Hi, guys. How you doing on email? Because that doesn't reflect on my brand values. Then either you do what I ask or you peace out. Right. Because that's how I feel. Whether or not you think it's racist, it's about my coin. So that I can understand. However, we're talking about, again, millions and millions of dollars. And we all know money makes the world go around and commerce is king. And we live in a capitalist society. So pull your dollars together, pay the fine. I will go ahead and start a fine pot. How many games is it? How many times are we going to kneel? Let's put the money in the pot 
And what's that team? New York Jets. The Jets. Their owner said the that Jets, he'll pay the fine. He'll pay the fine. And see, that's solidarity. I but respect that. this is my that. thing. I, solidarity can end all this shit. The NFL, yes. the majority of NFL players are black or people of color. Correct. If all of them got together and said, you know what, we're just going to boycott this bullshit, they couldn't keep it. They can't yes. keep that. They can't implement that rule because they would have no NFL players. But the problem is these NFL players don't want to stand together. They don't want to unify. Niggas is like, oh, y'all ain't messing up my money. I'm going out there. But if honestly, if all of them got together and said, you know what, we're just not going to play until y'all fix this, it would be fixed. But what does that remind you of? Doesn't that remind you of black people as a whole? What do we agree on? What do we get together and do anyway? Never. Can't boycott. Not going to boycott Starbucks. Not going to boycott H&M. And not going to boycott the NFL. I boycotted the NFL all throughout the course of last year. You're not even a real football fan. Like, you you like whack-ass, racist-ass Tom Brady. So, please sit back, okay? The rest of us are actual football fans. You not. That's why it wasn't hard for me to be like, I'm not boy. I'm going to boycott. There Great. so many shots being fired. Great. I have been a fan of the Great. New England Patriots since 1996, oh, 1997. Like and I would continue through. Ah, they beat the Green Bay Packers that year in the Super Bowl, and I have been a fan ever since. Oh. And that Because he's a bandwagon fan. My boy is from Mississippi. How the hell are you a Patriots fan from Mississippi? Explain that, black man. I will not. Exactly. Move on. Let's I go will to the next. not Let's step go. off my chariot <laughs> to throw tomatoes Man with you. wagon fan. However, I boycotted throughout the year, and it was 100% full boycott. No post, no television. Walking to a restaurant, I had to walk out if they were playing a game because I was 100% in full belief of this. Same thing goes with my commitment to boycott at H&M. Same thing goes to my... And I, I'm very thankful to see on my Instagram feeds a number of ads uh, celebrating different diversity uh, in the H&M, but it's too little, too late. You don't already call me a cool monkey. And in regards to Starbucks, I can't drink that cancer-causing coffee either. All of that to say, I applaud everyone who is going to continue to boycott and until the NFL gets right. If the players stood in solidarity and they all kneel anyway, I would then relinquish my boycott of the NFL and watch because I would have players that I could believe in and I could stand for. What's that happening, though? Which sucks. We're going to see. We're going to see. Uh, I would love to be able to watch my New England Patriots once again march right up to a Super Bowl or Mississippi. He's from Mississippi. Or my Dallas Cowboys led by Dak Prescott. That's how you know. Mississippi State alum, a significantly better school than that horrible garbage University of Alabama racist, moronic trash of a school wow. that you shouted out. Roll Tide! Lord. And that's quite Joe. a surprise. How do you have two NFL teams? That's how you know you are real. You cannot have two NFL teams. It doesn't work like that. You ride or die for one. That's what makes a real football fan. It's not, oh, I'm going to be with them when they're winning, and I'm going to be with them when they're winning, and I think I want to be your fan this weekend, and I want to be your fan this Sunday. Pick a side and stick with it. Just an old sweet song <laughs> keeps Georgia. This is a beef forming, very similar to the long, the extremely long beef between Drake and Pusha T. No, that shit ain't long. Let's not. I don't even want to talk about Pusha T. We, you deserve no, no. no we actually no talk. Don't talk about that. This is a not. big news story this week, Tazzy. It's really not. It's over with. 
Tell us about. Jay Prince said it's done. What? How is it done? He he apparently got on. So is none of this stuff true? It's done. It's everything's done. We're not talking about it. Jay Prince did Drake not have a child by a porn star? They reported on that months ago. And he's a dead. Is he a deadbeat dad? I don't believe he's a deadbeat dad. But she's also not a porn star. Okay, she's not. I didn't know that. She's one of them like amateur playing on the webcam. But you know, but you know what? This is the unfortunate side effect of too much bravado. Mm. You done gone on here and made a song about this man, and if, even if he does have a child, that he's you know not to you don't know the right you, you know, know and it's re- it's really dangerous because now you're talking about somebody's life. This kid's got to grow up and hear this and hear this, and then the mom is minding her business trying to do whatever, even if she is getting her coins online, you know, with her titties and ass out. Mm-hmm. You know, she's doing she's doing her thing and now she's got a song about her defaming her. Right. If anything, I would go ahead and get and that sue. coin, mm-hmm. run me my money because for defamation of my character because I'm not a porn star. And the issue is mm. people are so invested in this is because... I don't, who is, I don't, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not invested in this. Listen, I didn't say I don't people. even know who Pusha T is. Who is Pusha T, though, for Pusha real? Pusha T is one half of the clips. Remember Grinding? That beat? Oh, grinding. Yeah, he's one you half know of what song. I keep in the line. Remember, kids just be able to dance like. 1990s, yeah. singing. Yes. That whole movie when they wow. pencils okay. and shit on the table. So this is his comeback. Yes. Well, no, 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 no. It's not a com- I mean, he's been on hiatus, but Pusha T, Pusha T has got bars. I mean, he's, to me, a rap a rap god. Like, mm, he he really? raps, yeah. but the thing is, he's been. Under the radar, and of course, he used Drake to become a buff. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, and it's pissing mm-hmm. me off. And then on top of that, people are mad at Drake about not having like this baby all over the internet. That's a that's an issue that forms from us feeling entitled to celebrities' lives. If he has a baby, he does not owe us a picture of that child at all. He doesn't owe us an explanation of what that child is doing. That is his life. But because we people are so invested in celebrities' lives. If there are so many people on the internet that are so upset that he has not told, confirmed this or showed us the child or anything. You are entitled to Drake's life? Let that man live? Are you kidding me? People are crazy. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem in society right now. Why the fuck do we feel like we are entitled to celebrities, everyday movements, what they got going on, their privacy? Like, God damn, let them live. But you know what? Again, this is an old school rebuttal. It ain't new. You know, when I was young, my mom had the Star, the Inquirer, uh, you know, all those magazines. The paparazzi would be in the bushes. Look at Princess Diana and Do- yeah. and, and uh, Dodie L. Fayette. She, she couldn't escape. She couldn't escape. I mean, they literally ran their car off the road. So, I mean, am I surprised? And to me, I'm going to tell you something. I love my people, but we are unnecessarily savage a lot of times. <laughs> and and it, were it not for our thirst... To digest, to your point, everything we can about any celebrity that's black, hmm. you know, this wouldn't even be a thing. You need to be thirsting behind Jesus and digesting the good book. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll make a difference. Um, I think that's a great point. I'm torn. On one hand, I feel like in our modern culture, your child, I don't know. I feel like in one hand to not have acknowledged this child is like wrong. On the other hand, I maybe it was to protect the you child. You don't know if he's acknowledged I know. It could or not. Be, it he could, could be, decide, yeah. I don't want you in the spotlight. And, and, he, and, and for the child's long, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I can see that. It's the, what? He 
could have been acknowledging him, seeing him all the time, having him on weekends, and we just not be seeing pictures. That does not mean he's a deadbeat. Just because right. he hasn't put him on the shade room, people are saying right. he's a deadbeat. I can, I can agree with that. What I cannot agree with, though, is MSNBC, MSNBC standing behind Joy Reid after even more offensive blog posts were revealed. MSNBC, according to Hollywood Reporter, is backing Joy Reid even as more of her controversial offensive blog posts have been resurfaced. The cable network issued a statement of support for Joy Reid on Friday, coupled with a new apology from the host about her past blog host post. However, she did not take ownership of a few of I'm sorry of a new set of posts that she written by her more than a decade ago. In her lengthy statement, Reid says she's sincerely apologizing again for her past writings, which are allegedly to include homophobic blog posts. While I published my blog starting in 2005, I wrote thousands of posts in real time on the issues of the day. There are things I deeply regret and am embarrassed by, things I would have said differently, and issues from our positions have changed. Today, I'm sincerely apologizing again. And again, MSNBC is standing behind this black anchor woman. What are your thoughts, ladies, on Joy Reid and MSNBC's decision to stand behind her? You know, honestly, people grow and people Mm -hmm. change. I mean... I think sometimes we forget that people have always historically been on the come up. So if you're on the come up, sometimes that thirst is real. And you will write something that's salacious in order to get those eyeballs. And look at where she is now. I mean, obviously, it worked. It worked. It helped her build a brand. Exactly. But is it going to keep her in? And that's why I tell my co-host, Tazzy Hall, that it's one thing to be a black queen and and to promote this beautiful agenda of, you know, black comeuppance. But it can't happen at the sake of even sounding remotely racist. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think Tazzy is racist. But sometimes she says things that may be racial. Wow, repeat that. I do not think Tazzy is racist. Great. I know your heart. I know where you went to school. <laughs> I know the friends you You know my friends. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know but I'm not a racist. We are, but you, and you have a passion to defend. I'm just so pro-black woman. And I get it. That people But you have to be thinking. careful of your messaging and how it comes across. But being pro-black woman does not make Everything else, but I think that's what we want to say. But, but that's is that the reality of how it's going to be received in ten years. But what? Not even think about this. What? What I try to do as as a you know your elder. Oh my god, I'm old. You are not an elder. You're um, not that old. Um, Stop it. Stop it. Wait a minute. She isn't your elder. She isn't that old. She is two years. Two years. She is two years younger than me. But I'm a, I'm an old man. I am like. <laughs> What's that old monkey in the African in the uh, Lion King? Rafiki. What's that? I'm Rafiki. Rafiki. I'm whatever he is. You're so old you didn't even know Rafiki's name. Damn. That's why. That's why. I'm Rafiki. That's why. <laughs> but I'm so okay. So, but I digress. Yeah. So I think, you know, what I try to do is I think about what would I feel if a white woman said, I'm so pro-white woman. You know what I mean? I think about that now. That's that's not to say that I want you to stop, but I'm saying I want you to think about that because add a filter. Because it makes me, if I were to hear a white woman say that, it would. I'm not gonna lie. Why should I be upset that she has pride in herself? But immediately I would be on the defense because we've been all these years. They've not wanted us. People have not wanted black people to have pride in themselves. Correct. Now yes. we have pride in ourselves, so it's okay for me to say I'm pro black woman. I am so happy to but be a can, black woman. But doesn't a white woman have the same rights? Right. They have never. 
you what have you suffered through, white woman? Like what what what's, so what's the much. issue? Oh, that's unfair. No, so no, no. This, in comparison women, to black women, my argument from the whole moment is that me? all women in this country have suffered unbelievable hardship. Women have suffered, but I, what I'm saying women is because this is a horribly patriarchal society that we live in. So imagine being a woman women and being black. Imagine being a woman and, and being black. Objectification and it's imagine. horrible. And I don't imagine. want an Asian woman, a white woman. I don't want any woman to not feel as though they have the right to empower themselves by feeling good about who God made them. And I understand that, and I completely I feel you. But imagine being a woman, all those things you just said, and adding that layer on of being black as well. And the history of just being a black person in America. I agree with that. Yes. But I am proud of what I And if you would read Hillary oh, Clinton. God, stop bringing up that white woman's book. I'm if sick. you would read I'm Hillary Clinton's uh, newest book, uh, What Happened, you would have a greater appreciation for how she's fought for all women in this country. <sighs> Listen, what I'll say to that is. We don't have to invalidate somebody else's experience in order to validate our own. Speak it. So, because I know some, there are some white girls that grew up with me, you know, who in middle, you know, middle, middle class white girls whose daddies was touching on them. You know what I mean? So, I need you to go back. I need you just for the sake of the gram. To repeat that profile statement. You don't have to invalidate somebody else's experience in order to validate your own. I didn't even record. Hold on. You know what? Here we wow, go. Wow, you're wasting so much time. <laughs> Run it. You don't have to invalidate someone else's experience in order to validate your own. Look at God. I'm, I'm pro-black woman all day. Yes. I was the head of the NAACP. I'm pro-black okay? woman. No, we all are. But what I'm saying is I think... I think their generation has a fire, Correct. has a fire that we have learned. We've taken our fire and made glass. We, we put it with sand and made glass. They're going to eventually make glass, but they're young. And they're strong. And they're strong and they're black and they're here. We just let them have it. We like, hope that some of that fire that makes glass will not be making more glasses to be sold at Starbucks. <laughs> um, last week, <laughs> last week, uh, racial bias training did happen for all Starbucks employees on Tuesday. This training uh, resulted in the closing of 8,000 coffee shops nationwide Tuesday afternoon of last week to educate roughly 175,000 employees on how to recognize and prevent racial bias. My question to you guys is, you know, is this enough? Should is this a, should I stop my boycott of Starbucks? Yes, man. Because of this, because they've given is this enough? Let me tell you why. Okay. Every every piece of kind of change in the world is predicated by some sort of agitation. Okay? You typically see yourself in a picture looking looking like you got seven stomachs before you decide to go to the gym. Yes. You know, you typically watch uh, Pornhub and you notice this, oh, Brazilians exist. Let me trim this bush. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what we do. So, I'm trying to bring some levity to the situation. But what I'm saying is, Starbucks tried to remediate the situation. When are we going to allow people to fix the issue and then move forward? Also, I will say, forgiveness is how you heal. Being angry is no healing from that. So I don't, I'm not a big coffee drinker or whatever. However, let Starbucks live and start looking at some of your local community uh, coffee houses and, and support them. You should be doing that anyway. 
Yeah, that was a great hashtag that resulted. I think it was called uh, coffee, black coffee, or mm-hmm. you know, buy black coffee, and it talked about you know, instead of going to Starbucks, you can go to your neighborhood black-owned coffee shop. Yes. Um, you know, I don't know. I still, this is what I wanted Starbucks to do. I wanted Starbucks to do racial sensitivity training for all employees, but I also wanted them to put a large amount of money in the defense of wrongly accused African American men who are incarcerated to give them better legal support and better legal counsel because they put two black men in the system that had never been in the system before. And for the rest of their lives they're going to have fingerprints and mugshots. And they that is they did nothing to do that and earn that, but they're still in the system. They're cataloged. And that's an that's something that no one can undo for them. And that to me is the, the fear in it and the, what was wrong about it. Uh, Dante Robinson and Rashawn Nelson will forever be in that system. I have I'm still I think going to continue to boy I'm a I'm a very big coffee drinker. Uh, you know, some people look at me crazy when I say that I drink about five cups of coffee per day. That's terrible. Now, that's what I drink, and my, I'm very happy doing it. Wow, that's probably why you can't lose that weight, huh? <gasps> I have lost to date 37 pounds. But you want to lose But there are other. people like you, wow. Tadzi, that want to tear me down and discredit my accomplishments and my work. I'm cutting this out. So I don't even know why Because now you're ashamed. Oh, no, I'm going to say my part, but I'm cutting out this fake-ass monologue I'm <laughs> just trying to give. Oh, my goodness. You got to <laughs> But the point is, the five cups of coffee, don't, that, I don't, I brew my own coffee and, and have it. But the point is that when I go out, I usually go and drink. And I was drinking Starbucks prior to this uh, at some situations, and I haven't done so since. And I have in no way lost anything from my, from my life. So before we go into the conclusion of this segment, ladies, are there any things uh, that you guys want to add to the table or talk about any great stuff happening or anything that you want to just share with our listeners? Rose, you were talking about, you know, your binging of the Golden Girls. Yes. And many people out there, like, love the Golden Girls. I used to listen faithfully to, to the read. Invited everybody. That's part of their... So I've kind of stopped... <laughs> if everybody you knew. Yes. If you threw a party. I kinda, oh, that's Kid Fury, right? I stopped listening to the read as much because it's like... But he listens and talks... Every episode, they talk about the Golden Girls. Many people just can't... They love the show. Tell me what do you love so much. Why is the Golden Girls such a connection for you? It's, it's timeless. I mean, the writing is great. I mean, there are some... You know, Still there are obviously some jokes that are relevant to that time. But I think there's something... Um, very, very ta- tangible about women in our camaraderie. It's something you can reach out and feel, and it's they, they weren't all hunky dory. It wasn't. It wasn't mm. all pleasant. It was conflict, but they were in the community doing community work. They were busy. They went. They they were cultured. They went to the museum. They cooked. They shared meals. They dated. They talked mm. about insecurities. In senior citizenship. Like yes. in, the, in that elderly golden age. Yes. Do you have a favorite golden girl? Blanche. Oh, Blanche was fierce and fly. Y'all can't tell it today, but the girl can dress, honey. Mm. I just <laughs> I was in the studio all day today, but I like to be fly. Blanche in her fashion sense and the fact that she was so um, southern. You know, I'm a Georgia peach. And the fact that she was so secure in herself. Is there a favorite episode? Yes. The episode where uh, Rose, it was a dance-off. And Rose <laughs> uh, did those backflips and, and all that in the middle. Everybody was just like, okay, Rose. like, I mean, clearly it was a stunt double. But yeah, that's my favorite. But everybody episode. was shocked. So, Tessie, what are you watching right now? Uh, I just finished the new season of Kimmy Schmidt. It was oh, yeah, the unseekable Kimmy Schmidt. 
Um, honestly, shout out to Titus. He he carries that show. Damn it, um, that should be my role. <laughs> <laughs> Didi, you really could be Titus, but Titus carries that damn show. I was joking, Tazzy. <laughs> oh no, but I was like, dang, you really could kind of be Titus. He's extra as fuck, annoying sometimes, but he carries the show. Um, I just finished that. I am one of those people that watches old shows. I I'm on my what third time watching Frasier, the whole oh, series I of love Frasier. Frasier. Frasier's top three of favorite shows of all time for me. Um, and I'm back watching. I'm start. I'm back at like season two again for my sec the third time watching the whole series over again. All eleven seasons. I love Frasier. I love. Frasier. And they wow. have one of the top ten theme songs in my opinion. It's so good. Mm, yeah, I love Frasier. Like it's. Just, I don't even know what it is about Frasier. I, I just love it. It's hilarious. Martin is my favorite character. As you know, he did just pass away earlier this year. Rest in peace, John Mahoney. But I love Martin. I mean Frasier. Wow. So I um had really excited that Queen Sugar is back on television. Oh, did you watch the episode? I watched the first episode. Did you, did you watch the second one? I haven't watched the second one. I'm gonna watch it tonight. But you know, Blue not his baby. I do. Thank you for ruining spoiler. it for anyone who is out. It's there. not a spoiler. It's been out for over a week, <laughs> and you have not watched. Like that's your problem. And this episode is not going to drop for another two days, so you should have seen it by be, now. I just I've never seen it. Guys. What's shocking? What I really appreciate about Queen this you need to watch. It's a great show. Is it good? Let me say this. Number one is hands down the most underappreciated show on television. Why hasn't this show won every Emmy out there? Because the acting is amazing. Because this is the us right but now. the oh, but the acting is so the acting on Queen Sugar supersedes that. Uh, supersedes this is us. In my opinion, the but, acting is. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I might have to play devil advocate right now. I didn't say the writing. The, I didn't say oh, the writing okay. of Queen Sugar. I, I said the acting, the power okay. and I'll control. Take I'll take that. This so this is us is a faster paced show. Mm-hmm. Has more plot twists, more because moves. Queen Sugar, we don't know. It, we don't know where they're it's going. It's slow. I don't know where you're going. I don't know if I can stay on the train with you. I'm gonna stay because I, I'm so pro but it's Queen slow. Sugar. But it's it is glacial. slow. What network is oh. it on? Oh, okay. Shout it's out to glacial. Oprah. It is. And so many people, I think some people haven't watched the show because they think it's gonna be like the haves and have nots. It's nothing like that. This is a well-controlled drama that is is it's like reading a beautiful book, and it is slow. Is this Tyler Perry? No. No. Oh, okay. It but is once, slow. I don't know. Didi's saying all of this, but once he sees the second part of the season premiere, you might think differently. I hope not. Because that second part was just like, I don't know where y'all are going, and it's upsetting. no. I don't know where they're going. No, the second part of it's the even season more premiere so. is even like it's, it's, it moves uh, at a glacial pace. I think that they do these turns and twists to set you up to see because they want you to be shocked. But it ne- there is no over. It's not overkill. It's not overly dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's just good acting and beautiful shots. Every the scene. cinematography is absolutely Stunning. gorgeous. Beauty, oh my God. beauty. Well, you guys are selling. Oh I'm yeah, I mean it's beautiful, and I just really and, and what also I like, I don't like any character on the show a great deal. I relate to Charlie, but there is no character that I can say I'm rooting or like because they're so real, like real people. Mm-hmm. Like this is your messed up flawed self on television so I can't like you or not because you're so multi-dimensioned and so multi-layered that I have to like decisions you make mm-hmm. that lets me know it's a good show um, and I'm thinking is there anything else this week that happened or that that's worth, worthy of discussion 
I love Kanye's album. Y'all not gonna mention it. I'm gonna mention it. I thought it was yeah. really good. It was, so you feel like it's a great work of creative expression. I mean, I think it's I think it's a good effort post breakdown. I mean, he admits he has he's bipolar, so you know. I mean, we're holding Kanye to a great to on this. You know, I think everybody had Kanye up here, but mental illness. I have two people in my family that are paranoid schizophrenic. When they have an episode, it's real. So Kanye had his episode in the spotlight. That's all I'm gonna say. He yeah, he dragging energy and all the slavery and it's all that stuff. But the the work is good. The I'm not listening good. to the album at all. Kanye West told us a couple weeks ago that our ancestors chose slavery and that it was a choice. And I will not support someone that disrespected our ancestors. Not happening. I'm not going to stream the album. I'm not going to listen. And nobody could sway me to listen to it or say it's so dope. You got to check it out. You disrespected my ancestors. You said that they chose slavery and I could not get over that and I will not. Kim Kardashian just went to the White House to talk about prison. Because America is a reality TV show like I said a couple episodes ago. We're a joke. But whatever. I, I can't back them. Hmm. Can't. But it is the time of the episode where we talk about the up the down and the club. <laughs> so What's up, up this week, for today um, Serena Williams doesn't want to be a size for This Is Me. Serena Williams is not trying to be anyone but herself. And it's pretty damn awesome. This The tennis player chatted with Harper Bazaar UK for um, the magazine's July issue about the birth of her daughter, Olympia, and her upcoming HBO documentary, Being Serena. Williams also discussed the um, constant body shaming that she's encountered since the beginning of her tennis stardom. Quote, it was hard for me, Williams said, People would say I was born a guy all because my arms or because I'm strong. I was different to Venus. She was thin and tall and beautiful and I am strong and muscular and beautiful. But, you know, it was just totally different. Um, So when Bizarre asked Williams about a 2004 article in which a then 22-year-old Williams wrote that one of her goals was to be a size four, the tennis player responded accordingly. Quote, oh God, I'll never be a size four. Why would I want to do that and be that? William said, this is me and this is my weapon and machine. Yes, Serena, I'm all for you. Baby, keep that body. It's amazing. People be trying to get it. You were my uh, home screen at one point in time because that booty was so tight and so right. And you could never have that amazing booty as a size four. Live your life. I love it. Well, I'm proud of this. You know, I'm proud of anyone who's going to come out with body positivity and push in that direction. So I applaud Serena. Yeah, I think but that's who she's always been, and I'm proud of it. Yeah, I'm not shocked. I think I think Serena, um, and it's so interesting with her and her sister. I think they've really broken away from how they were raised mm. because I think they were raised to be very robotic in a way, uh, akin to Beyonce, akin to Michael Jackson. And the Jackson 5 or whatever. And they weren't um, having it. And they weren't, you know, and I just think that, that it's awesome to see her own her, see both of them own their own identity. So. This week's down is a killer husky <laughs> who went on a killing spree of animals at a nearby petting zoo. A husky killed 24 animals in a small Utah, Utah town in just a few hours. In like two hours. This dog just went on a yes. massive killing spree. So police say a four-year-old husky named Nikita 
killed two dozen La animals Nikita. in a small Utah town, Utah town, over the course of just a few hours on Memorial Day. And now her owner is facing charges. Nikita's owner, Mackenzie Morton, was cited by police on 27 counts of attacking animals, several of which survived, and one one count of animals of an animal running at large. Morton told Fox 13 that the dog, which will be in quarantine while awaiting an administrative hearing, escaped her boyfriend's house in the town of Tool for just a few hours. Quote, I didn't think she was going to go on a killing spree, she added. Trip, Trip Kiss, the owner of the nearby petting zoo, Kiss Made for special needs children, said that the husky oh killed God. nine of his animals. Two rabbits, a duck, a turkey, four chi- chickens, and a specially chained, trained goose named Rex. Kiss told BuzzFeed News that the attack ruined his Memorial Day. Quote, I planned on warning friends not cleaning up my pet's remains, he said. What do you <laughs> Damn! <laughs> but what, why was the dog so angry? Oh my God. I know. What could Are cause? you not feeding the dog? Like, You're not feeding the dog. Cho- that's animal abuse. This yeah. is not typical behavior for a husky. Yeah. That we know of. Yeah. Ooh, Should husky this dog be put down? No. Yes. <laughs> I don't believe in that. It's you not the dog's fault. Can this dog be rehabilitated? Yes, for sure. No. They weren't feeding the dog. They were doing something. They were torturing the dog. Something was going on. Animals don't just do that. Right. I, I, yeah, it is but listen, you know, you say all this. But Rex is gone. Rex the goose. Yes. Rex the goose is gone. Until that husky pull up at your house and kill all your animals. Oh, no. We got guns. I got guns. Exactly. Then you you okay with killing the husky? Yeah. No. That man lost nine animals. Kill that damn dog. It's over with. It's over with. So, what is, who's the clown of the week? So, the this is hilarious to me. Um, so this happened a couple weeks ago. Did this happen a couple weeks ago? It might have. Whatever. 30-year-old man evicted from his parents' home. This is the one where the parents had to take yeah. him to fucking court. You're a, you're a bum. So in um, New York, <laughs> Michael Rotundo, the 40-year-old man who evi- whose eviction from his parents' suburban home drew national attention, finally left on Friday, hours before a court-ordered deadline. He had financial help from right-wing radio host and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Rotundo honked and waved to reporters as he pulled out of the driveway of his parents' split-level ranch in New York two and a half hours before the noon deadline set by a judge last week. He said his parents had said goodbye, quote, more or less, and got his rumbling station wagon running after some false starts. When asked how he felt, he had one word answer, great. Rotondo um, had avoided TV crews staked out on the upstate New York road earlier Friday morning by leaving from the back, but returned around 9.30 a.m. in the passenger seat of a pickup truck. He loaded a cooler and garbage bags full of items into the truck, then dealt with the station wagon, which was a broken, which has a broken um, coolant system, according to the Post. I quote, I got to get going before that thing blows up on me, he said. I love this story because I saw when it was in the news and he was in court battling his parents, trying to evict him from that home. You are a grown-ass bum. Like, your parents have to take you to court for you to move the That's hell about their house. That's their fault. They, they, you made that problem. Yeah. I was ready to get out of, my, of the house 
Like you couldn't, you could not 18, make me stay. Eighteen, I couldn't wait. I, couldn't I didn't wait. go back. I yeah, couldn't, you couldn't make me stay. I back. could not wait to go off to college so I could get the hell up out of there. But I would just like to say for the record that there are plenty of Negro bums. <laughs> there are, there are, there are. I meet them all the time, and they're very happy living at home with their uh, parents, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I help my mom with the bills. But this joker wasn't him with anything. He was just living there. Right, right. It's some of them too, though. Yeah, that's true. And it's some female bums. Why do we? Why do females think because they're female that that they're different? It's no different rules, homie. You got to get up out this. Out you got to get up, get out, and get something. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so with that stated, I think it's a great time to now talk about any products this week that we love. That we want to share with our listeners. Any products. Oh, wow. I didn't know that we were going to do products. Any guys. products that you can say this is a must have. So, my wow, a book is going to be. What? Don't play with me because I've shouted out books plenty of times. I hate when Didi gets on this fucking show and try to act up on me. I'm I mean, sorry. all I recall are like beauty products. No, I've definitely shouted out a book. I shouted out Zora Neale Hurst's you newest did, and book. And I bought it. Okay. And I bought it because did you of your recommendation. I haven't read it yet. Okay, then hush it up. Now I have another book. Um, Right now I'm reading Sid Field's screenplay, um, The Foundations of Screenwriting book. Like, uh, obviously I'm trying to just get up on my craft and be the best that I can in my field. Actually, this book was bought for me by one of my line sisters, Mari. Her dad bought the book for me because he knows that this is the field that I'm trying to be in and he has like some connections in the entertainment industry. So he bought me this book and had it um, brought to me. So I greatly appreciate it. It's a great book. I'm reading it. It's amazing. Uh, I'm reading uh, You're Badass at Making Money. Oh, well, I have that um, book. I haven't it's read it yet. Very good. First, oh, so you just buy a bunch of books and don't read them. Ooh. Uh, so, yeah, I was listening to it on Audible. Yes. I was listening to it on Audible, and then it was so good that I bought the hard copy. And what I take the first takeaway that I ever got from it was having a money mantra. Oh, my goodness. What does that you mean? You know, so, you know, we have mantras I'm beautiful, I'm successful, blah, blah, blah. So, the money mantra is, you know, I am in control of my money. My money is not in control of me. I money is money is something that I use as a tool to live a lifestyle that's going to afford me more time with my family. You know, you have to get very specific about how you use money, what money means to you in order to attract it. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. It's I love a great that. book. I love that. Um, and so for me, I don't have a product this week, ladies. I feel, you know. There's no product to share in my world. Wow, I'm super surprised. But I do have a best of us that I'm super excited to share. And the best of us goes to Birmingham's Highlands Bar and Grill and their amazing pastry chef, Daw Miles, who has won the very coveted James Beard Foundation Award for being among America's best places to eat and best chefs. So again, Chef Dolcester. Miles won for America's Best Outstanding Pastry Chef and the Highlands Bar and Grill won for Best Restaurant in the United States of America. Mm. So shout out to uh, owner Frank Stitt. This is something that I'm really excited about. I can't wait to see it, but I'm really thankful that, you know, when you look at the American culinary tradition, like I read a book called A Cooking Gene. I think I talked about <laughs> it 
earlier mm-hmm. about the whole entire tradition of what African Americans and people of African descent in this country have contributed to our culinary landscape. And to think that so few African Americans have received this prestigious award for cooking is heartbreaking. You know, and so the fact that Chef Dole Miles won represents a victory for all of our ancestors who have cooked and who have slaved in the kitchen literally and figuratively to feed this nation. So we are so proud of you and I I'm just bursting with pride at that moment. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, congratulations to Dolchester's Miles. I can't wait to go to Birmingham to try and then eat the cobbler, both peach and blueberry, and two of the cakes. Mm. So with that said, thank you guys so much for checking us out. Huge shout out to Rose Gold Gatsby. <laughs> we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.